Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you. What a great, great testimony. And um, a choir and orchestra and uh, praise team, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Let's give them a round of applause. Can we do that? Uh, just the other day, I had a, a deacon called me up and said, Pastor, I just want to let you know I'm a deacon in the church, and part of my responsibilities is uh, to make sure that you're not blindsided by things. Now, when a deacon calls you and tells you that, you're going, I'm about to be blindsided is what's going to happen. He said, I just don't want you to be blindsided. I'm going, okay, what, what, what's going on? It's Easter week. I'm nervous. What's, what's, what, what are you saying? And he said, Pastor, I just want to let you know I was in a... I was in the Wednesday night choir rehearsal, and um, he said, Pastor, if you don't bring your A game on Sunday, that choir is going to make you look like the B team. And so, uh, and so I, I, think, I think that is, that is true, so you're going to get the B team right now, but, uh, but that, that is okay. I am so glad you're here on this Easter Sunday morning, and if you have your Bibles with you, and I'm sure that you do, why don't you take them out, please, and go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be in the New Testament today, um, looking at this great book uh, in 1 Peter. And today I want to talk to you about the hope of Easter. And if you don't have your copy of God's Word, I think there's some in the chair backs in front of you. You can follow along on the, on the screen behind me, or you can use your smartphone or your device, or look at the person next to you if they have a Bible open as well. But uh, I want to talk to you about the hope of Easter. Uh, as I began praying uh, several weeks ago um, about the direction for uh, Easter uh, Sunday morning, uh, the Lord just kept putting a phrase on my mind and on my heart, and it was the phrase, a living hope, a, a living hope. And that just kept coming to my mind. And uh, I just began to pray, Lord, what, what is it about this living hope? And, and goodness gracious, I just kept thinking, man, our world is grasping for straws when it comes to hope. Can I get an amen on that one? I mean, we are grasping for anything just to hold on to something. Uh, so many people in our world are, are putting their hope and their trust and their faith in, in man-made government. They're trying to find the government or allow the government to give them solutions to life. Many people are, are putting their hope in, 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 in vaccines or masks or money, and, and we're putting all of our hope into these man-made things. And, and God says, just tell people about me. Tell people about Jesus, the true living hope. Because Jesus is the only one who's going to give you the ultimate hope. Amen? And one of my favorite verses of all time, and you may know this one as well, is Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to not harm you, but plans to give you a hope. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And so this idea of, of a living hope, we need, to, we need to define what hope really is, what a biblical living hope really is, because biblical hope is different than what you and I think when it comes to hope. Now, let me give you an example, um, and I think it may make some of you a little frustrated, but I think you'll get the point, all right? Here in Georgia, during football season, the Georgia Bulldogs, the fans, will always ask this question. Will the Bulldogs win the national championship this year? And Bulldogs fans say, I don't know, but I, I hope so. 
And it's a crossing of the fingers. You see, and that's a worldly type of hope, which means this. I would like for this outcome, uh, for this future outcome to really happen, but I don't know if that's really going to happen. I really can't put my trust in that because I just don't know. But I hope so. That's more of a a worldly hope. And that's not biblical hope. That's not what Peter is going to talk about when he talks about a living hope. So what is a biblical hope? Well, let's continue this illustration. Let's say you ask, and I, I don't like using this illustration. I'm just letting you know. But let's just say you ask an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. <laughs> Are the Crimson Tide, you know, because you're real excited when you talk to an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. Are the Crimson Tide, are they going to win the national championship this year? And all Tide fans say, roll Tide, absolutely. Anybody with me? Thank you, Wayne. See, when the Alabama fans say that, that is more of a a surety thing. Because they say, you know what? I believe that is going to happen, and it is going to happen well. The surety is a biblical hope. I don't think anybody from Alabama Crimson Tides are biblical, but it's a biblical hope. And so when Peter talks to us about a living hope, he says this, that you and I can be certain of things. We can be certain of things to come in life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Peter is going to tell us that because of the resurrection, because of the resurrection of Christ, We know this, that with God, no situation is hopeless. Amen? No situation is hopeless with God. Well, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1. And it reads, follow along in your copy of God's Word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he writes, To those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, he writes to the chosen. He says, who are chosen? According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. To obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a, what's those next two words? Living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who were protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in that last time. Now look at verse 6. And in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, may God be glorified through the reading of his word today on Resurrection Sunday. The book of 1 Peter, you can guess who the author is. His name is Peter. Scholars and, and many commentaries have said this about Peter. They have called Peter the apostle of hope. Now think about that for just a moment. Peter. Peter, the one who denied Jesus. They now call him the apostle of hope. You remember Peter's story. 
Peter has a certain disease that many of us have. It's called foot and mouth disease, where you put your foot in your mouth and you, you speak before you think. And there have been multiple times in Scripture where Peter does just that. On one occasion, Jesus speaks to the disciples and Jesus says, you know, now it's my time to turn and go to Jerusalem because now it's time for the Son of Man to be crucified. Do you remember what Peter said? No way, Jesus. That ain't happening. And what does Jesus tell Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He says, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. And then later on in conversations with Jesus about his death, Peter ends up saying this. He says, Jesus, I just want to let you know, I know you're saying that you're going to die, but I'm not going to let that happen. It's not going to happen, Jesus. And Peter, excuse me, Jesus then looks at Peter and says, Peter, I just want you to know something. I just love how Jesus does this. He, he cuts to the point. He says, Peter, I just want to let you know something. You say that you won't let me die and that you'll never leave me. But Peter, know this. When I'm handed over, you are going to deny me multiple times for the rooster crows. You remember that story? Peter, nah. I'm with you, Jesus. I, I, I'm there. You go to Monday, Thursday, just a couple of days ago. Jesus has the last Passover with the disciples. Judas Iscariot leaves. Judas goes to get the Roman soldiers to come and arrest Jesus. The disciples make their way down into the, mount, to the Garden of Gethsemane. They pray. Judas comes with the soldiers. You see the lights. They arrest Jesus. And what happens to all the disciples? Boom. Scattered. Scattered, they run. And Peter, Peter kind of sneaks off to the side and kind of gets behind the mob and the crowd. And he follows and he looks to where Jesus is going. And they see that, he sees that, that they take Jesus to Caiaphas' house. And there they begin to try Jesus. And if you remember this story, Peter stays out, out in the courtyard. Do you remember this? He stays out in the courtyard. He's warming his hands by the fire. And a young girl looks at him and she says, hey, I, I know who you are. I know who you are. And what does Peter say? I don't know what you're talking about. So he moves off, almost like to another fire. And somebody else says, no, no, I, I know who you are. You, 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 you walked with that man, Jesus. And Peter's like, Psh. Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And Peter goes off to another side and another person in the crowd says, no, I know who you are. You walked with Jesus. You're one of his disciples. And the Bible says at that moment, Peter curses. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that man. And as soon as he said that, what does he hear? The rooster. And he's broken. He's broken. 30 years later, Peter writes 1 Peter. 30 years later, Peter writes this great book. It writes this great book and he says, you can have living hope. What changed? 
30 years prior, he's a broken man. He's denied the Savior. He's denied Jesus. He said, Jesus, I'll stand with you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he denies him. What happened between that time, 30 years later, that Peter, an older man, can now write to believers all throughout their area and say, listen, you can have a living hope. What happened? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The message is this, is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ can change all things for the good to the glory of God. Meaning that you may have had a Peter moment in your life where you denied or you rejected. But because of the resurrection, Jesus says, you can return back to me and I will give you living hope. And so Peter writes, and he tells us in verse number one, that Peter writes uh, to, to those who are aliens, who are, who are scattered out through all the land of, of, of Asia Minor. Now, all of you are biblical scholars, right? Look at your neighbor and say, except you. Right? We're all biblical scholars, so when we read this and we read that believers are scattered, we automatically need to know in our brain, and our minds, that when believers are scattered, something has happened. And when believers scattered, they're always scattered because of persecution. They're always scattered because of persecution. But when persecution comes, we know that the gospel spreads. And so Peter writes to those who have been, who have been persecuted all throughout Asia Minor. And to all the believers, they are stressed out and they're wondering if they can have hope. In chapter 2 of 1 Peter, uh, Peter says, you know, you can have a living hope even though you have, you've been abused by, by, uh, by bosses who are mean to you. In chapter 3, he talks about some of you may have unbelieving spouses or unbelieving family members and, and they are persecuting you because of the cross of Jesus Christ. In, in chapter 4, he says, some of you are being ridiculed by, uh, by, uh, by other friends, by, by neighbors. And he says, but know that you can still have a living uh, hope. In, in chapter 7, uh, Peter says that, listen, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game will be removed from Asia Minor because you don't understand the truth. Wait, wait, no, that's the wrong chapter. No, that's not it. Are you with me? And Peter says, listen, church, persecution is coming. This is, the, this is the message of 1 Peter saying, the reality of persecution is on your doorstep, is what he says. And when Peter writes, he is writing to an anti-Christian society. Hello. Do you think what he says is important to us today in 2021? He is writing to an anti-Christian society. These people have been scattered, but yet he says to those, he says, but you can still have a living hope. Meaning, even though persecution is coming your way, you still can thrive. Listen, listen church. He's going to tell us that the message of the resurrection is this, you still can thrive. He's going to tell us that we have reason to keep living our lives. He's going to tell us. He's going to tell us that you can have a living hope even in a hopeless society. Well, let me give you three things that Peter says that you and I, that we can have a living hope and what gives us a living hope. Are you ready this morning? Y'all still awake this morning? Are you sure? Because I have nine points. I can really do nine points. Number one, I want you to write this down. You and I, we can have a living hope 
We can have a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because God fits everything into his plan. I want you to hear that, church. God fits everything into his plan. Not some things, not only some particular things, not only the good things. He says God fits everything into his plan. Meaning that God is in control. Look at, look at verse number 2 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2, the first part of it says this. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, let's Greek out just a moment. Now, if you're new with us and you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? A lot of times I like to dive into the Greek, the original language, so that we may know what that word means so we can make proper application to our lives today. So when Peter writes, according to the foreknowledge of God, what is the Greek word for foreknowledge? Well, it's the Greek word prognosis. Does that sound like a word we use in our English language? Prognosis. It's, it's a prognosis, which, which means a prediction regarding future outcomes. You go to the doctor's office and they give you a prognosis. Now, a doctor will give you an educated guess. But when Peter writes, according to the foreknowledge of God, God's foreknowledge isn't an educated guess. It's not just a, it's not a shot in the dark or, man, I hope that works out for that person. Or God's not saying, I hope that works out for that family. No, God's not making an educated guess in your life. He's not hoping the good things will turn out good. He's not hoping that the good things will bring him glory. It's not about a wishful thinking for God. God knows what's going to happen in your life, and he says it can be turned into good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God knew it. God knows it. The bad that you may be going through, the broken relationship that you may be going through, the sickness that you may be going through, uh, the, the troubles you may be going through, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can say this, that all things are going through God's plan for your life. Well, pastor, I don't understand it. Well, let me give you some great words. I don't either. I don't understand why certain things happen to you. I don't understand why certain things happen to me. But I know when certain things happen, I just have to go back to, okay, God, you know all things. You know it. And what you have planned for me, even though I cannot see, even though I may not understand, God, I trust you and I know that it's good. And I believe you, God. I believe you and I trust in you. There's an old there's an old gospel song, and we used to sing this growing up in Second Baptist Church in La Mesa, Texas, and it goes like this. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because, because he first loved me is the foreknowledge of God. That is theologically accurate. That before we can do anything, God takes the first step. God loves you first. God reaches out to you first. God has a plan first for your life. And he loves you. He loves you and he wants to work all things out to the good for his glory in your life. Listen, when Jesus was crucified in the year 33 AD, it was all a part of God's plan. Why? Because he loved you. It was all part of his plan. 
The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, which was written 700 plus years before Jesus' physical body on this earth, uh, the prophet Isaiah said this, the Lord was pleased to crush him. The Lord was pleased to put him to grief. The Lord was pleased to make Jesus a guilt offering, which means all the things that Jesus went through for you and I because he loved us, all the things, the beatings, the crucifixions, all of it was a part of God's plan, and it was not a mistake. The crucifixion was not a mistake. It was not an afterthought. The writer of Hebrews says this, that Jesus suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death, death for everyone. Listen, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew that Judas was coming after him. He knew that the soldiers would arrest him. He knew that the soldiers would, would, would rip out uh, his beard. He knew they would beat him. He knew that they would spit on him. He knew that they would place uh, the crown of thorns upon his head. He knew that they would nail him to the cross. It was not a mistake. And all the things that he went through was all a part of God's plan so that you and I can have a living hope. It was so that you and I, when we go through difficult things, you and I will never go through the cross like Jesus did. Amen? He took it for us. He took the beating for us so that you and I can have a living hope. So that we know that no matter what we are going through, we can have a living hope. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Some of you don't believe that. I'm reminded of a story of a, of a man who went to a baseball game, a little league baseball game one afternoon. He asked one of the boys in the dugout, said, what's the score? And the young kid said, well, it's 18 to nothing. It's 18 to nothing, and we are behind. And the man said, man, you guys... That's not good. You guys must be pretty discouraged. And the boy said, discouraged? No, we're not discouraged at all. And the man said, well, why not? And the boy said, because we haven't come up to bat yet. <laughs> That's hope. That's hope. That is living hope. Folks, listen, no matter your circumstances, I want you to listen to me. No matter your circumstances, whether they're good, they're bad, or they're indifferent right now, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it all fits into God's plan. And just maybe, and just maybe, you haven't gotten up to bat yet, but you hang on. You press on, because God is in control. Here's number two, the second thing that Peter is going to say to us is this, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is something better on the other side. He's going to tell us that there's something better on the other side of this earth. There's something better on the other side of death. Look with me in verse number three, verse three and four, and it reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And here's what he's going to say. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What Peter is saying to believers who are going through persecution, who are going through some difficult days, who are going through some days that are going to be more difficult than they are currently, he says this, you need to know that this on this planet isn't all there is. There's something better for you. There's something better planned for you. 
And Peter says, listen, we know we can take this to the bank. We know that we have an inheritance that, will, that is undefiled, that is imperishable, that will not fade away and it's reserved in heaven for you. We know as believers in Jesus Christ who have stepped across the line of faith, we know that better things are coming because Jesus has risen from the dead. Listen, his resurrection is a historical fact. It really happened in real time, in flesh and blood. Jesus physically, bodily rose from the dead. It wasn't a spiritual resurrection. It was a physical resurrection. He literally, physically, bodily raised from the dead. And since he did do that, what that means is once you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, once we pass from this earth, we are going to something so much better than here on this earth. I don't know about you, that brings me great joy. Now, we live in a beautiful area. The Golden Isles is gorgeous. It doesn't hold a candle to heaven. It doesn't hold a candle to heaven. It doesn't hold a candle to what we will see. Yes, creation is beautiful here, but all of creation has been infected by sin. And all of creation is decaying. But once we enter into glory, once you've crossed that line of faith and believing in Jesus, and we have that inheritance up in heaven, all things will not be defiled. No sin can touch it. Nothing in heaven will die. It is imperishable. Nothing will fade away. And it's going to be perfect as God originally attended. That's what we're promised. That's what we are promised. Meaning that once you and I die, once we end our time here on this earth, it is truly just the beginning. We will spend way more years in eternity than we will here on this earth. Amen? Just a couple. We will spend more time there, and it is going to be perfect. The writer of Hebrews said this, that God has planned something better for us. There's something better for us. No more tears. No more cancer. No more depression. Rather, we'll sit at the feet of Jesus, the nail-pierced hands and feet, the side, the wound in his side. We will sit at his feet and we will glory in his presence. I don't know about you, that brings me great joy. And Peter says, listen, he says, even though you may be going through persecution, maybe, maybe you're going through some difficult times, maybe you're working with a boss who is mean, maybe you're living with a spouse who is meaner, he says, you hold on. You hold on. You hold on because I promise you, I promise you it's going to get better. I know it's going to get better because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And Peter says, church, God's got everything under control. He's got everything under control. He's got everything going according to his plan. And he's going to tell us, and he tells us there's something better on the other side. Well, that leads me to question, okay, God, I get it. I get it, Lord, that the other side's going to look really, really good, but doggone it, God, what, how do I do it here? Right? How do I do it here? God, it hurts. How do I do it here? Peter tells us. Peter tells us that because of the resurrection, because we can have a living hope, we don't go through this life in our own power. Meaning this, your life on this earth, let Jesus live through you. 
Let his power live through you. Let Jesus come out of you. Meaning you don't have to do it in your own power. Look at verse number five. Look at verse number five. Again, Peter talking to believers. They've been scattered. They're, they're going through some pain. They're going through some hurt. And he says this, but you are protected by the power of God. And what he says to the believers who are, who are hurting and scattered, he says, know this, you're protected by the power. You're protected by God himself. Jesus himself said this, I promise to never leave you. I promise to never forsake you. I will always be with you. And his power is with you. As believers in Jesus Christ, many of us live defeated lives because we are operating in our own power. But Jesus says, don't operate in your own power. You operate in my power. If you remember when Jesus um, when, he, when, he, when he rose from the grave and he, was, and he walked around on the earth after he had resurrected for 40 days, and he told the guys, he says, listen, he told the disciples, listen, I'm about to go back to heaven, but when I do, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. And he said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you. As a matter of fact, he says, go back to Jerusalem, and he said these words to the disciples, and I think some of us need to hear this. He told the disciples, don't do anything. Boy, that's anti-American, Amen. He said, don't do anything. He said, you wait. You wait. You wait until I send my spirit to you. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the disciples are huddled in Jerusalem because they obeyed God. They obeyed Jesus who said, go to Jerusalem and you wait. And they waited. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, that Jesus said, of the Holy Spirit, when I send the Holy Spirit and it comes upon you, you will be filled with my power, Greek word dunamis, dynamite, you'll be filled with my power so that you, in a world that hates you, in a world that persecutes you, in a world where you're scattered, in a world that doesn't want to listen to you, I will give you my power and there you will be my witnesses. In all of Jerusalem, all Judea, and all Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And if you remember what happened, because they obeyed Jesus, they stayed there. And in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came and set upon them like tongues of fire. And then it says this, as soon as they walked out, they began to tell people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, listen, church, in a world gone mad, you, believer, you can still have hope and you can still live with a living hope and he says stand firm I remember a story of a of a young girl who was a at choir practice with her parents as as they were getting ready for for Easter and this young girl knew about Jesus dying on the cross and dying for our sins and uh, and then her dad looked over at her and, and, and said to his daughter, he said, sweetie, what does after three days mean? What does after three days mean? And this young girl said, and she said, daddy, it means that, means that Jesus rose from the dead. Her dad said, yeah, that's right, sweetie, but really, what, what does it really mean? What, what does it mean? And her response was perfect, and I think it's appropriate for today. Her response was this, it means that we don't have to be scared anymore. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to be scared because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and his power now lives in you. So here's the question for Easter 2021. What does Easter mean to you? What does Easter mean to you?
Does it mean that you have the living hope? Or does it mean that I only hope so? Well, today, the call is for you. Maybe you are a, somebody who hasn't never believed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the call for you today is to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're a non-believer, I'm just going to be honest and frank with you. If you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you cannot be saved. You must believe in the literal, physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Because our faith is based upon that historical fact. So non-believer, wherever you are, maybe you've you questioned Christianity, you've questioned Jesus. And today you have to answer the question, what does this day mean to you? Well, I encourage you, I beg you, I plead with you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To bow your knee and humbly submit your life to him and allow his power come into your life and to give you something way better than this on this earth. I challenge you, non-believer, to bow your heart and confess. How do you do that? It's really simple. You take a posture of humility and you say to the Father, you say, Father, I am sorry for running my own life. Please forgive me. Please come into my life and be Savior and Lord of my life because I want you and I need you. Listen, if you do that, here's what God's Word says. I promise to come into you. I I promise to fulfill you. I promise to be your Lord and Savior. But you've got to humble your life and turn from your wicked ways. Won't you do that? For those of you who are believers, maybe you're going through some difficult times or maybe you're struggling or, or I don't know your situation, but what does Easter mean to you? Can I tell you today that Easter tells us that we need not be afraid? Will you tell the Lord right now, say, God, I'm not afraid because I know you've got me. And will you just trust him? Just trust him. Just trust Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for rising from the dead and giving us a living hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.